You are tuned in to the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I am truly grateful for each of you for tuning in today. And support for this podcast comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, bringing the Jackson Hole community residential and commercial food waste composting options. Call 307-733-7678 for more information. Reading and learning from others is a, a big passion of mine. That's why I like talking to people, learning why this podcast is so important to me because I get to learn from other people. And when I'm having conversations, I get quotes. When I read books, I get quotes. And my quote for you today is, with conflict comes clarity. And that quote comes from my good friend, Jim OJ. Thank you, Jim, for listening as a frequent podcast listener and for sharing your insights of how to be a good individual in this community. Today, you are listening to episode number 210. That's right, 210 episodes. And I have the honor and privilege to speak with Talia Atkins. Talia is the executive director of Carving the Future. Talia grew up here. She was born here in Jackson Hole. And Talia grew up as a person with adversity. Now, when I say the word adversity, it has a different meaning for everyone. And I really encourage you all to listen to today's episode and listen to Talia because you'll learn throughout the, today's episode what adversity means to her and what Talia went through as a child and how she is a brave adult and a brave citizen and a contributor to not just our community, but other communities throughout the world is quite inspiring. And that's why I enjoyed speaking to Talia so much today and why I know that you're gonna enjoy speaking with Talia today. I'm not giving out a lot of what's in this episode with Talia. And that's for you to take some time and listen to what she went through in her life and how she's arrived at the path where she is today. Talia, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. It's wonderful to be able to have some time with you and connect and, and get to hear your story. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Well, Talia, you just told me that you are you were raised here. I'd love to hear your story and your background. Were you born here in Jackson? Yeah, I was born at St. John's Hospital. I graduated high school in 2008. And yeah, I am still here. I did leave for a good portion of time, maybe about six or seven years. And I never thought I'd come back to Jackson. And I'm really glad that I did. And within that is maybe a story of adversity and running away from home to realize that everything I was looking for, like 35 countries around the world, was right back where I started. And so I'm really grateful to be here still. And there are still some issues in finding a way to stay here. And as we have a very you know, changing community, cost of living, housing crisis, all these issues that are so familiar to everyone here. But it is a real aspect. And then, yeah, I'm kind of in an interesting place in my life right now where I am wondering if I can make it stay here in Jackson Hole. But if anything, this community really needs needs a lot more. And 
I think I'm really grateful to be a part of that in regards to your mental health and working with youth and creating more inclusion and diversity and just those markers of social inclusion that are really important for children and adults in this valley. So I hope to be able to stay here and work in those departments and realms as I further my education. So that's kind of my, my life story in a snippet, and we can go deeper if you'd like. Well, I, I'm very curious. So many people move here because they think of the of the beauty or the activities but you being a person that grew up here and you said you ran away that you you had that feeling and i'm curious and you also said that you didn't think you'd ever move back here so i'm curious in 2008 after graduating high school where did you go and then also why do you describe it as running away and why do you feel that you didn't ever think you would come back here. Yeah. I was raised in a house that was just full of adversity. There's an ACE study, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And this is an amazing study in which now doctors can look at children and adults and give them a test. And it's a one through 10 question test that helps pediatricians and doctors understand someone's life expectancy, chances of suicidal ideation, chances of different types of heart disease or cancer. And it is really interesting, maybe on the like, physical level, what we can tell from the effects of trauma on early childhood development. And that is something that is an amazing resource. And through understanding it, we can now have more trauma-informed classrooms and communities. But it's interesting because in a place like Teton County, there are so many issues, but because it's such a glamorous area, there's almost a, a bigger blanket thrown over everything. And I can only speak for myself, but growing up here, I felt like I couldn't ever talk because no one in Jackson has problems, right? Hey. That, was that way. And I was afraid that if I did talk, my, my peers would see me as a troubled kid and I would start acting like one. But I grew up in a house where I needed to constantly keep my mother alive, struggling with mental illness and frequent suicide attempts. Stepfather was a meth addict and alcoholic, was in jail a lot when I was in high school. And my biological father left when I was six. He was also very abusive. And so like these things I can talk about now after leaving Jackson and coming back. But when I say running away, um, I loved this place and I loved the beauty and opportunities that I was given, even just being raised by a single mom for the most part, I was gifted a scholarship to be on the Jackson Hole Free Ride Snowboard team. And that just changed my my world where all of a sudden at 14 I could learn how to snowboard. And skiing and snowboarding is kind of a it's it's almost like assumed that everyone does it here. Often when people are like, oh you're from here, your parents must be rich. You own property and you were born and raised skiing and snowboarding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not quite, but I did have opportunity. It was one of the lucky ones. But having access to the mountains and to mentors changed my world. I progressed very quickly and started competing at a high level in snowboarding very quickly. And then I broke my back when I was 16 mm. in a competition in snowboard. And that was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me because I think in my 16-year-old brain, I thought I was going to the Olympics one day. And then I realized, oh my gosh, there's such a bigger, wider world out there, even beyond the snowboard industry and this tiny little Jackson Hole town. And that was my gateway to world travel and to learning about what people believe and why and just an altered, a different perspective in understanding diversity and 
man, how lucky I really was. And I'm still entirely privileged, but I, I ran away from Jackson Hole and into the world, but I was also running towards my passions. And photography, really loved portraiture. And I started working with children in many orphanages in Cambodia, in Nepal, South Africa, India. And that just evolved into like six years abroad. I did anything I could for plane tickets and just loved immersing myself in the culture and the language of the places I was. And just to learn this amazing unifying aspect of being human. And that gave my life so much more depth and perspective. And I think allowed for me to return home when my mother eventually passed away. She did take her life. And I'm learning how to say this in a way that is also like, hey, this is really common in Wyoming. Wyoming is the worst state in the USA for suicide. And I believe we can debunk these stigmas by opening up, talking about it and working towards prevention. And so if that's what I was looking, running away from and maybe in the end looking for during these six, seven years of traveling, I found it returning back to Jackson, working at Red Top Meadows, which is a residential treatment center for teenage boys based around wilderness therapy. And it was there that these 12-year-old to 18-year-old boys had more courage to confront the things they had been running away from than I could have ever imagined possible. And uh, with the right tools and professionals and resources, these kids had the courage to, to lean in and to, you know, replace behaviors that weren't working before and also feel supported enough to, to create a new life for themselves despite adversity. And so that's maybe the, the full tale of how Maybe snowboarding led me to traveling, led me to running away, but also finding so much in the world around philanthropy and this awesome aspect of humanity that ties us all together and returning back home to a place that still has a lot of issues. And so I feel really called to be here and I feel a lot of purpose returning home. Beautiful and, and brave, Talia. Thank you for sharing such depth and such personal pain and struggles that you had, but also finding the beauty and 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 what what is out there in life. I'm sorry to hear about your mom and her her struggles and how she ended up taking her own life. And I appreciate you unpacking so much of what you said as well. And I'm I'm gonna quote something that you said that about this area that Teton County has a blanket thrown over the issues and and you didn't you didn't feel as though you had a, a safe place to go to talk about the issues you were dealing with as a child yeah. is that correct absolutely yeah. mm. i'm i'm sorry that that you went through that alone or that you had that feeling and that you didn't have somebody that you could rely on to support you while you're trying to take care of your mom as well Thank you. I appreciate that. And also, it's beautiful, too, that, I mean, even though I wasn't ever really communicative about what was going on, I do feel like there were neighbors and community members who probably were like, something's up, you know, something's going on. And I felt surrounded by angels and mentors. So really grateful for that. Yeah. Oh, one part of the, the ACE study, and you might want to just double check this, verify it, but so if you score a four or more on the ACE study, most people's life expectancy is actually 20 years less than those who have not experienced childhood adversity. But there is a resilience score test that can help 
kind of like mitigate those kind of stark statistics. And so I, growing up, I would say had a, a hard eight on the ACE study, maybe a soft nine. And I had so many coaches and mentors and like high school art teachers who believed in me and saw maybe where I was gravitating and gave me the resources that I needed to succeed. But I really believe I was one of the lucky ones. And I know teachers and coaches can't do this for every kid and suffering is all relative. And I do believe like, yeah, in community and neighborhood cohesions. I'm grateful for you for using the terms, you know, a child of adversity, because I think just my opinion is people hear adversity and they jump to conclusions as far as what that means to the individual who is saying it Mm -hmm. versus learning more about the person who is using the term and what does it mean and Mm -hmm. before shutting down the conversation. Yeah, that's a great point. So true. <laughs> mm. And you you also said something else about learning of the unifying aspect of being human. Mm-hmm. Can you define that in a little bit more detail as what is or are the unifying aspects of being human? Wow, that is a deep question. I love it. From my perspective, I would say it's a sense of belonging. I think it all boils down to that connection and a sense of belonging and whether it's our own both the the micro and macro scales right in our sense of self and identity we want to associate with others that fortify that that sense of identity or safety and in groups I feel like there's there's greater power there's also greater you know complications can be a little more complex but I find that countries cultures groups of associated beliefs and ways of living are one of the most fascinating aspects of this colorful tapestry of humanity. And we also all experience suffering. We all experience hardships and loss and grief in different moments throughout our life. And I've just found myself to be so fascinated at how people cope with that, whether it's religion, whether it's any aspect of hope. I loved, I, I was raised Christian and I the girl that would be front and center at every church every night of the week by myself in middle school in Jackson because <laughs> I just like loved people getting together and just like believing in something outside of themselves and hoping and praying that it was going to be okay that's kind of my interpretation and as I began traveling I went into more mosques and Hindu temples wild water ceremonies and rural villages it's across the board from like anthropological standpoint I'm like wow it is so beautiful when people come together and um, kind of ignite, I think, the positive aspects of human nature and build more bridges and that sense of connection. So for me, yeah, this unifying aspect of humanity, I believe we are innately good. I believe that with support, we can transcend anything. Talia, I think you're one of the bravest people I've ever had the opportunity to, to speak with. We haven't met in person, but it, at least meeting via a Zoom. And thank you. Because your bravery and willingness to share your story, hopefully other people can find the strength to where they can understand that there is power in groups and there is help out there rather than succumbing to what they're going through and and letting the demons or whatever inside of them win and and taking their life and impacting their their loved ones because there's so many out there that cares about everybody. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. 
It's so true. And people don't always know what you're going through and it's not their fault. <laughs> but I felt too, when I start to open up even just a little bit, how many people in the room are like, me too. Or wow, like I just went through that last week. I lost a aunt or a cousin. Hmm. And so, yeah, it is really beautiful when we begin to open up. You never know who who's going to need that or who can help. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to transition the conversation. This is, I mean, you are a very deep person, also somebody who's extremely in tune with yourself and a very giving person. And at one point you were in Cambodia mm-hmm. and helping victims of landmines. And But you've helped kids in other in orphanages, you were saying, in other parts of the world. What are some of the experiences that you learned about of these children who are in these orphanages in other parts of the world? Mm, Wow. I found that gratitude and resilience are maybe the two words I could always come back to no matter what country or language we're speaking. And yeah, these children have taught me more about life than anything or anyone. I spent, I've been to South Africa twice to work in a very special orphanage. And a, a lot of these children are have been infected or affected by HIV and they're just children in need of a second chance. And this was such a beautiful home where domestic violence is very, very, I think it's one of the worst countries in the world in South Africa for domestic violence. And so a lot of these kids had seen so many things and yet they were so grateful for every meal. We'd always sing in Hosa. Let's see if I could do that. Hosa, Hosa. It sounds like this. (laughs) which I love like the kids would sing before meals and just the way like music lit all the children up as well and that was also a beautiful unifying factor that brought everyone together and through a lot of trauma and loss and suffering and in Cambodia as well I met a beautiful couple about 13 years ago and I've been going back ever since I've been back four times in that amount of time to work with a dear friend of mine who lost his leg when he was seven, when he stepped out of landmine. And Bell and his wife now own an orphanage or run an orphanage of 14 kids. And they also have a NGO that teaches landmine survivors how to come together for support and new skills to make a living, usually art-based. And so I sell a bunch of their jewelry here and have been able to support them a little bit through the pandemic, which is wonderful because there's been no tourism in Cambodia uh, for the most part, and it's been really challenging for them to sell their work. But whenever I go to Cambodia, it's amazing. We, We live in this tiny, tiny little like yard with a couple structures and we sit on the floor and eat with our hands out of bowls little bowls of rice and there might be like a tiny soup bowl in the center and each person will take like the smallest little spoon and put it on top of their rice and then just be like please take the rest of this like take all the food Mm. the most giving giving grateful people I've ever met even though they might have so little and so I've just learned from every country yeah just the amazing resilience and hope that is inspired as a lifelong process of healing but this this awesome gratitude that also comes from challenge. And if anything, one of my favorite sayings in the world is Sikh from Northern India. And in Punjabi, we say, which means everything you have, you have to give. And that's not just your time or your talents or your money. It really is your difficult life experiences. And no matter if a child is two years old or, you know, an old man, I feel like I have been given 
this amazing fruit of someone's challenges that has helped me in my my hardships. Hmm. You've been touched by many people's lives. No way. <laughs> and and in such a wonderful way. Thank you for sharing those those stories, those experiences, I should say, because those are true connections that you made with some people when you stay in touch with them. We do need to take a quick break to get a word from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to come and talk about how the work that you're doing now here in Jackson to help other youth in need. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov recycle and join today. Talia, welcome back. I am just blown away by your bravery and your gratitude and the the work that you've done around the world to help other people. And fortunately for our community in Jackson Hole, a person with your heart and giving nature came back here. And you now work at Carving the Future. Mm. And would you like to share with us what Carving the Future is and does and what you do there? Yeah, absolutely been with Carving the Future for five years now, and I am the executive director. And Carving the Future is a nonprofit in Teton County that empowers underserved youth through inclusive access to board sports, and most specifically skateboarding and snowboarding right now, which is a big part of my story. As I said earlier, I was awarded a scholarship to be on the freeride team, and snowboarding and skiing was something that I couldn't access financially growing up in Teton County. And that was just my golden ticket to ride. It, it changed my world. And we exist to solve a several of our mental health issues for teens and younger children in Teton County and Fremont County. So we work also in the Wind River Reservation with Native American populations of extremely strong and resilient kids and some of the best athletes I've ever met. These kids are ripping skaters. And it's really powerful to see how skateboarding is, it's not about authority. Um, it is about creativity and expression and authenticity. And that really resonates with many kids on the reservation in Wyoming. And skateboarding is accessible, more, more accessible than other sports, obviously. But when the snow falls, there's nothing. And so we hope to create more access, more features, more indoor spaces for youth, and more opportunities to do outreach where kids can come to Teton County or to other ski resorts nearby to experience different aspects of skateboarding and snowboarding, but also to implement more mentors, gear, and access in their communities. And so we see board sports as a really fun way to tackle our mental health issue. And in Teton County as well, we still see so many kids that are falling through cracks or programs that are maxed out. We have a lot of low-income youth from all different backgrounds and demographics. And so it's it's really interesting to 
be a part of snow the snowboard industry again, but from a nonprofit perspective where we find so many kids that that need a snowboard, that need a lift pass for this season, or that would love to travel and to experience other mountains or other aspects of getting up, getting outside and being a part of these amazing mountains that hold us. Wow. Another major impact. <laughs> and you're doing this in Teton County, Fremont County. Did I hear Lincoln County and Sublette County as well? Mainly just Fremont right now. Fremont. Okay. And how many children does your organization help, say, during the summer for skateboarding and then in the winter for snowboarding? Right. Locally, we've been close partners with the Coombs Outdoors. We usually have about 20 to 25 consistent youth that are in our seasonal programs here, local kids. And we worked with about 40 Native American kids in the winter. And then we have another awesome group of skateboarders that we work with, maybe about 10 skateboarders we work with in the summer consistently. They're like our carving future athletes. And we do a bunch of other fun activities that are for all levels and all ages. So for instance, we might do like female empowerment skateboard clinics, which are coming up uh, this week. We do that with other nonprofits and other organizations in town like GAP, Girls Actively Participating and Latina Leadership. We also do access gymnastics, big air clinics and skateboarding clinics for local youth or Coons Outdoors program. I, I mean, it's hard to say our full numbers this last year, but I do know in the last two years, our impact numbers grew 281%. So that's pretty neat. So I want to say about three, we've maybe helped over 600 children now in the last four years. Yeah. That's beautiful. I appreciate what you and your organization are doing for, for the youth here. And how do you all become connected to these children? Mm, they can find us online or through word of mouth in the community. That's been really popular as well. And I think one of our biggest advantages is our partnerships, um, not reinventing the wheel, but working with other awesome nonprofits and organizations that already exist. Coombs is a great example. J Freeride Team, She Jumps. We've been working with She Jumps a little bit. And hope to partner more with JHMR and Snow King. And then also on the reservation, we hope to work with more school districts. We've been working with Lynette Grable, who's running for Congress. She has a awesome nonprofit called Not Our Native Daughters to protect missing, murdered Indigenous women. So we work with her like youth group and we work with an amazing character named Matt Wright, who is a mentor for these incredible Arapaho skateboarders that are competing at a higher level. And so we have these really nice cultivated partnerships that help us find the kids that are already interested and then maybe do more outreach to see kids that are interested, but there is a barrier to entry and how we can mitigate that. Yeah. And for kids that might be for example, where you were, where you didn't speak up, how are you accessing those kids? Great question. We have heard often from school counselors. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is a child that, um, you know, is falling through the cracks a little bit or needs more support than they can get at school or at home. And that is a really great resource as well to hear, you know, these kids that are really interested and maybe board sports are their most positive coping mechanism and they just need someone to like take them out 
after school or they'd like a full season pass. We also do hope to create an open platform where kids can remain anonymous if they choose, but also advertise, hey, we give athletic scholarships for kids like me or our other children that we've sponsored to be on the free ride team if they want to compete at a higher level or like there is something a child wants to do they should be able to do it and we're here for that so that's what how we try to market as well and yeah just partnering with the school systems and other organizations to get the word out so kids know that we're here and families yeah that's phenomenal there's so many kids in need as you said jackson holds glorious and glamorous but there's still needs out there. And it's great to hear that you guys partner with other great organizations, for example, like Coombs Outdoors. It's one that I can remember top of mind. And I've had them on the podcast as well. And what they do for the underserved population as well is is so needed. Everybody can use a strong mentor. Mm-hmm. Even as adults, we need mentorship. Right? All the time. <laughs> Yeah. What do you what do you think is is next for you, Talia? You've accomplished so much at such a, a young age and there's so much road ahead of you. Yeah, those are my questions now. <laughs> I'd love to stay here. Cost of living is tough. I am currently taking, I guess it's my third degree in tribal leadership and Native American studies through CWC here. It's our local college. But I've been on the Wind River Reservation a bunch this this last summer. And doing a lot of courses from from Jackson virtually, but learning more about, uh, I think, mental health and also the health of the planet, our natural resource management from a tribal sovereignty perspective. And that is so eye-opening and has changed my heart entirely. There's so much I don't know. And there was so little that I did know growing up and what we're taught in our school systems as well. But realizing where our water comes from or how precious the resources we have left are and how we can understand our unique relationships in Wyoming and government to government relationships. So I'm really interested in yeah, natural resource management, maybe more specifically water rights and bison reintegration and interested in ways that we can support a more positive mental health. And I think all of those issues are really closely tied to tribal sovereignty for me right now. So yeah, that's that's my degree. I'll be finished in fall, the end of this fall semester. So January, December, and then maybe on to social work masters with the University of Wyoming. But I'm not sure where to live. Yeah, I'm like kind of in between houses right now and just wondering if I should do another winter here. But in order to really devote my time and resources to school, I think I may need to leave Jackson, which is tough that is really tough but maybe not for forever we'll see yeah i hope you're able to stay but i i understand especially if you want to go get a master's in social work you might that might just be the calling that but like you said jackson's always here you mentioned mental health a few times in relationship to the tribal leadership course Mm -hmm. that you're going through right now Mm -hmm. i'm interested to learn from the tribal perspective what they teach about mental health Mm -hmm. i am non-native And I cannot speak for natives, but what I have been learning a little bit about is the amazing resilience of this incredible group of people that have been through so much and still are today. I think a lot of people see Native American culture as something of the past, and that is not true at all. It may be, I love the proverb or the, it's, I think it's a Mexican proverb, but it says they thought they could bury us, but they didn't know we were seeds. And I love that so much in terms of the adversity that Native American populations have gone through, 
all over the world and indigenous cultures alike, but also how maybe I believe that tribes and indigenous ways of thinking really hold the keys to connection, to healing from mental health issues and towards healing the planet. Traditional ecological knowledge has passed down orally from generations to generations really holds the key for many new climate adaptation plans that are that are rising up and coming out. And I think that's really powerful within itself. But as it all ties back to mental health culture, I have experienced, whether it's being invited into sweat lodges or to sit around in a circle. If someone in the community is going through something hard, other community members come to sit and sweat and hold up that person in prayer. And I love even seeing how these super rad skateboarding kids we work with, they're tough kids and they adore their tribal elders more than anything. Like elders are put on a pedestal and they are so respected and kept close in the community versus maybe our more Western <laughs> societal cultures where we, you know, kind of toss away the elderly or, you know, put them in a home or don't include them in aspects of raising young children in the room. And so I see so much connection and family ties and beautiful, beautiful pride in these amazing cultures that when children are given the opportunity to to remember to be taught their language again, that I think really helps mental health issues on the reservation from my perspective. And I think we all have a lot to learn from from these cultures as well. I've met so many extremely wealthy people living in Teton County and maybe this is their third home, but they can also really be struggling with mental health and they feel severely disconnected from their families or from any sense of a community. And I've just been learning so much from, from tribal leadership in ways that I think can be used to mitigate that. But it is important to look at the, the historical picture and what reconciliation can really look like. And it does take natives and non-natives, I think, to address very, very huge issues that are still written in our policies and our government and the way our state is treating tribes as well. Yeah. I hope that it's a lot better than it was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah talia we have unpacked a lot of information today <laughs> and this has been a phenomenal conversation and i so appreciate you taking mm -hmm. the time out of your day and your studies to to speak with me today and share your story and i hope other people can find inspiration and in learning and some compassion through listening to your story today I'm I'm very curious, would you like to share a way for someone to connect with you if they hear this and they want to reach out and connect with you? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. My email is mm -hmm. Talia, T-A-L-I-A, at carvingthefuture.com. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way to reach out if you have any questions. Yeah. And does Carving the Future have Facebook, social media, website pages? They do. Just carvingthefuture.com. Yeah. Okay. And I find us on social media. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, Talia, again, I really do appreciate you taking your time to share your your story. And I wish you all the best on housing here in Jackson. It is a major challenge. We at my businesses, we struggle with it every day. It's walking on pins and needles. Is somebody gonna lose their housing today? Will that be the topic of conversation? Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. Gotta stick together. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got to stick together. Yes, indeed. Latalia, well, I'll let you get back to your day and it's very nice to meet you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Stefan. Have a beautiful day. You're welcome. You too. To learn more about Talia Atkins 
and how she is making an impact in this community and other communities, and also about carving the future, you can look her up at thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 210. Appreciate everybody who tuned in each week. My friend, Jim Ogier, who continues to provide me with insight and wisdom every time we get to talk. To my wife, Laura, and my boys, William and Lewis. And of course, to my editor and marketing director, Michael Morey. I appreciate you sharing your time with me today. Cheers till next week when I see you right back here for another episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.